Yay, God. It has been such a joy for uh, Kathy and I to be amongst you. We really do count you as family and uh, really honor the work that God is doing in you and through you in this great city of Glasgow and spreading very fast everywhere else. And uh, we really are just so um, blown away by the kindness of God, the um, hospitality and the many meals and the fun times we've had with numbers of you. We just so appreciate you and thank God for you. Uh, We want to encourage you to please continue to pray for us. Uh, We hit a crazy schedule for the next month and uh, in particular we're in South Africa for a week doing a Signs and Wonders tent campaign for a week Um, and we're believing God for incredible um, Signs and Wonders. It's the first time that uh, we'll be doing anything like this. Um, and so I'm believing God for some wheelchairs, blind eyes, deaf ears. Um, if it's sick, it's got to get healed. And not only that, we're believing God for many, many salvations uh, to not only uh, add to the kingdom, but to grow the church and give it a greater influence in uh, the town of Ben, Clarence, where we'll be going. So please be praying for us, particularly during your week of prayer. Put us on the list. If you have any prophetic words or any encouragement, send it to us. We'd really appreciate it. Um, and just seeing, uh, uh, just getting to know numbers of you, I just want to say that this is a good church. If you're visiting this morning and you do not have a church that you can call home, you'd be dumb not to join this one. <laughs> um, because God is on the move. Um, amen. Won't you uh, grab your neighbor and say, it's time to get your cutting edge back. You've got to say it like you're in an American church and there's some Pentecostal music playing in the back. It's time to get your cutting edge back. Can I ask uh, Mark, who is on the piano, can you just come and play a little bit? Do you mind coming to play on the piano just very quickly, if that's okay? Um, I just want to start off, I thought God told me to do something a bit strange, so here goes, here goes. Um, We're in a season of incredible breakthrough, amen? Um, I believe that we're in a season uh, that God has clearly spoken to me of accelerated breakthroughs. I'm just going to preach to the rest of Glasgow for a moment. Um, (laughs) We're in a season of accelerated breakthroughs. It means that things are going to happen in this next season quicker than it would have taken in previous months, years, or even decades. Things are going to shift quicker. There's going to be a swift moving of his spirit. And I believe that there are numbers of you who are going to come into a breakthrough today as I begin to teach a little bit in a moment. Um, on restoring your cutting edge or redeeming or reclaiming your cutting edge. But I felt God saying to me that there are numbers of you here who've been living under a ceiling of an expectation that requires you to have just enough. (laughs) And God's wanting to change your mentality from just enough to more than enough. You see, when you come into a promised land, you have to change the way you think. In 
the desert, the people of God got what they needed for the moment they needed it. But when they crossed over into the promised land, they had grapes the size of people's heads. (laughs) They had milk and honey flowing that they did not know what to do with. They had more than enough. When you move from the wilderness or the desert place, warfare begins to change. Where in the desert place you have to fight for everything. In the promised land, all you need to do is lift up a shout of praise and the walls come down. Something changes when you begin to move from the desert into the promised land. And for many of you, you've been living with wilderness thinking. And God's wanting to change the way you think. You see, he's not moving us simply from a poverty mentality to a rich mentality. No, he's moving us from a poverty mentality to a wealth mindset. And there's a difference between riches and a wealth mindset. Because you can be very poor and have a lot of money. You see, poverty has got nothing to do with what you have or what you don't have. Poverty has got to do with a perspective that sets you up in the place of provision rather than God. Adam and Eve were naked before the fall and after the fall. Yet after the fall, they needed something to cover them. They entered into a state of poverty. And they set themselves up as the ones who try, to, who try and cover themselves. It's an attitude that says, I need to make sure that there's provision. That's what a public mentality operates out of. It sets me on the throne. But you see, when God's on the throne, wealth and riches come to us, not because we deserve it, but because he's good. And God wants to shift the atmosphere. He wants to change the way you think because in a wealth mindset, your riches... Is not what covers you. Your riches is not what gives you your sense of success. In a wealth mindset, your provider is the one who gives you your success. And when you live like that, it's not about what you can keep for yourself, but it's about what you can give away to a lost and a dying world. And there are numbers of you who've been living under a poverty mindset. And indeed, this city has been known for its poverty. But I've got good news for you. I've got good news for you. I've got really, really good news for you. God is moving the city into a wealth mindset. And I felt I wanted to pray for people who know that right now you need financial breakthrough, you need job breakthroughs, you need to move into another level so that you can begin to be a conduit of blessing. And I believe we've we've heard testimony just last week of job breakthroughs and And I've heard a number of other stories of God moving quickly and swiftly. And when 
God begins to open up a season of visitation and people begin to get breakthroughs quite quickly, what you want to do in that moment is make that place a habitation. So you begin to make some space so that that which is happening begins to increase and continue. And so if you need a breakthrough financially, if you need a breakthrough in terms of job, if you need a breakthrough in terms of coming into the next level that God has for you, I want you to quickly stand to your feet. Because there's a breaking that's going to happen today. It's going to be a glory moment right now. This last week, in our student in 20s, God began to pour out gold dust in upon a number of the people that were there. And when that happens, I know that God is wanting to bless people. It's like suddenly to shine in the physical of His eagerness to pour out of His wealth onto us. <laughs> and last time I checked, God was not nervous about the economic situation. And so just lift up your hands right now. Some of you are going to begin to experience the Holy Spirit coming upon you. We just want to lift off our strength right now. We want to lift off the fear of lack, the fear of not having enough. Some of you need to write some dreams down about the kind of breakthrough that you want. Because nothing is impossible for those who believe. Nothing is impossible for those who believe. And so, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I declare an end to lack over people right now. I declare a breaking through right now, swiftly, quickly, in an accelerated manner for men and women to walk into their purpose, for men and women to walk into their destiny right now in Jesus' name. God, we declare breakthrough financially in Jesus' name. We release millionaires and entrepreneurs, businessmen, businesswomen right now in Jesus' name. We release in this congregation witty ideas and inventions right now in Jesus' name. We release right now a creativity, an ability to understand and know what God is doing right now in Jesus' name. And we break lack right now. We break poverty mentalities right now. And we declare it's a season of wealth right now. It's a season of wealth right now. Listen, you need to know when God thinks about wealth, He illustrates it this way. That the thing we think has the highest priority in earthly wealth, like gold and diamonds and gemstones, is the very thing that he walks upon in the heavens. It's the lowest denominator of wealth in heaven. <laughs> Did you get that? When he thinks about wealth, our highest ability to conceptualize what wealth looks like is his lowest denominator in the heavens. <laughs> and so I say, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. Let it be on earth as it is in heaven. 
And so we release your goodness right now in Jesus' name. Yay, God. Are you ready for some cutting-edge breakthrough? When you turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 1. Now the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See, the place where we dwell under your charge is too small for us. <laughs> this place is getting too small. <laughs> let us go to the Jordan and each of us get there a log and let us make a place for us to dwell there. And he answered, Go. Then one of them said, Please uh, be pleased to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So one of them, and so he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was fell in the log, his axe head fell into the water. And he cried, Alas, my master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. And he said, take it up. And then he reached out his hand and took it. If you um, have any kind of spirituality, if you have any kind of discerning gift, you will know that we are in a season of radical transition. That church is never going to be the same again. That the thinking that got us where we are to this point is not the thinking that will take us where we need to be in the next season. That we have to change the way we think. And that Hope Church is not the same church it was five years ago. (laughs) That there is a new season and a new era and we are beginning to walk into the season and we're beginning to transition into the season. And if you have any ounce of spirituality in you, you need to realize that change is here to stay. That you need to be a people who are going to have to live flexible lives, lives that are easy to move with the cloud, lives that aren't dependent upon roots that have been stuck down in an incorrect way, but roots that move with the people of God. We're living in a season where the place where you dwell is too small. The place where you dwell is too small. God's calling you to higher, bigger, wider, more influential place, uh, uh, to a greater place of influence in the city and in the nations of the world. And as God begins to increase your influence, as God begins to increase what he's doing with you and what you will import and release to others, we're going to have to have a mind change and we're going to have to be a people who are ready to move. And for many of us, we live used to what happened yesterday when God has called us to be a people of the future. You see, the reality is uh, an apostolic people, a people who have seen what God wants to do, they live in that reality today as a prototype for others to follow. And God has called us, God has called you as a prototype church in the nation of Scotland. Whether you like it or not, there are people all around Scotland beginning to look at Hope Church Glasgow. Whether you like it or not, this church has, has been heard about even in the deep south. 
of England. <laughs> You're becoming a people who are the resource to the nations. <laughs> And so you're going to have to change the way you think. Because for many of us, a small-mindedness is not going to cope with the greatness that God's called you to. (laughs) I'm going to say that again. Your small-minded thinking is not going to cope with the greatness that God has called you and this church to. And so you're going to have to reorientate your brain. You're going to have to reorientate your mind. You're going to have to reorientate your base of faith around what God has said about you. Because I want to tell you, God is not a man that he should lie. And if he said it, he will complete it. And God's calling you to a greater place of expectation. God's calling you to a greater place of influence. One of the things I love about Elisha is this is a man who understands what God is doing and it's time. You see, a little bit earlier we see the story of Elijah and Elisha and how Elijah releases a double portion mantle upon Elisha. And this is important because you need to understand that these prophets that are recognizing the place where they dwell is too small missed a moment of opportunity that they could have entered into the inheritance that Elijah had to offer. You see, the Bible says that every juncture of Elijah's journey across through the Jordan River before he was taken up in chariots of fire, something was happening. People were recognizing, prophets were recognizing, and particularly the sons of the prophet, which was the school of the prophets, would at every juncture that Elijah and Elisha came to say to Elisha, have you heard? Do you know that your master will be taken from you today? They recognized the season. They recognized the time correctly. But they, as sons of the prophet Elijah, never entered into his inheritance, even though they could have. It is possible to recognize that you're in transition, but never enter into the reality of your inheritance. It is possible to be part of this church and miss what God is doing in this church. And we see this picture of the sons of the prophets correctly discerning the times, but not correctly understanding how they can press into their inheritance. God wants us to be a people who not only understand the season we're living in, God wants us to be a people who correctly receive the inheritance that is for the season that we're in. And we see the double portion come upon Elisha, and I love this, I just want to quickly help you. This is not talking about a double portion of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says you've received the Holy Spirit without measure. Who wants a double portion when you can have as much as you want? It's a no-brainer. Do you know what I'm saying? People pray, give them a double portion. Lord, I don't want a double portion. I've got the Holy Spirit living inside of me. I've got a river flowing from me. It's tabernacle time. We've moved from 10% in Pentecost to an ever-flowing, effervescent river. (laughs) Amen? 
And this double portion is an incredible principle because it's a principle of inheritance. And you can well understand the principle of inheritance because if you get this, you'll realize that you as a church are standing upon the shoulders of great many men and women of God who pioneered in the city and that you stand on their shoulders as a platform to even greater things. You see, the double portion is a principle that says the oldest brother gets the highest or the double portion given to him so that he starts off where his father left off. Any of the other siblings get the movable stuff. They get the gold rings and they get mommy's, uh, you know, lovely crockery and cutlery and they get the nice table and the, and the amazing leather couch. But a uh, big brother, he gets the land and the house. It's a double portion. It's immovable. So when Elijah gives Elisha a double portion, what he's saying is everything that I have ever gained, fought for, or earned in this season of my life now becomes yours, and you now start where I left off. And so Elijah's last miracle is splitting the waters of the Jordan River, and Elisha's first miracle is splitting the waters of the Jordan River. He starts where Elijah left off. You see, the principle is this. The previous generation's ceiling becomes the next generation's platform. It means that the great men and women of God who pioneered in the city, the great men and women of God who saw kingdom move after move after move of revival, is now the shoulders on which you stand so your expectation of revival is not looking to the past because that's simply your reference point or your preference point, the reference point. The next season is going to be even greater. Shika bazooka. (laughs) And so the first thing that needs to happen is we've got to move from the place that we're used to into some bigger space. And God's calling you as a people to realize your physical building is too small for you. (laughs) I'm just going to leave this one hanging. Your physical building is too small for you. The place where you dwell is too small. The offices that you have is too small. And God's calling you to partner for the greater thing. God's calling you to partner for the greater boundaries, for the greater influence. I'm going to say amen, Julian, because it went very quiet. It's the season, brothers and sisters, for increase. It's the season for enlargement. It's the season for acceleration. Listen, I'm telling you, you cannot be here for another year, and it needs to be breakthrough. Prophetically, we need to move to a much higher, uh, much wider space because if this church is going to come into all that God's called it to be, if you're called to be a glass house that breeds hybrids at an accelerated pace, you need to get ready. (laughs) The place where we dwell is too small. And because you've got a double portion, your influence is greater than you could ever anticipate. You see, the great thing about Jesus is he uses the exact same principle in John 14 when he's about to leave. 
He's about to die and be resurrected and go to his father. And he says, by the way, where I ended off, greater things will you do. Jesus makes his greatest miracle our starting point. Shika bazooka. I need some men and women of faith here. I need an amen. I need a whoop whoop, whatever you want to say, because the reality is, the reality is you're called to greatness. And the place where you dwell is too small for you. Now you can suppose you go, it's true of the spiritually. And God is giving this church a voice that is going to be much louder than you could ever anticipate. And you need to get ready for that. I'm preaching prophetically now. Because God's wanting to get you ready for the season that you're in. And the place where you dwell is too small. And what I love about these guys is that the very place they want to go to is the very place where promise is fulfilled. You see, the Jordan represents a place of promise. A little bit earlier, we see Naaman get healed. We see this water getting split open two or three times in Scripture. We see the people of God cross over into their promise. The Jordan is a spiritual place of promise. And God is calling you in this season not to move away from the promise, but to move closer to the promise. So that the prophetic words that he's spoken over you individually, the prophetic words he's spoken over his church, it's not something that's impossible. It's something that you camp in. It's something that you dwell in. It's a place that you begin to live next to because your expectation is that fulfillment is closer than we think. We've got to move with the promise. We've got to, we've got to inconvenience our lives to get to the promise. Because you see, as we begin to do that, as we begin to move near the promise, as we begin to walk to the promise, we begin to realize that it's at the place of promise that we see the fulfillment of all that God has spoken over us. You have to build with your promise. You have to build alongside your promise. The works that God has given you are not serving suggestions. They're meant to shape your dwelling. <laughs> They're meant to help you come into your purpose. And there's some incredible prophetic promises that God has spoken over. Listen, I just want to tell you, the student in twenties group is possibly one of the best student in twenties groups I've seen in the world. In this church. I mean that. I want to encourage you. If we don't move, they'll get bored. And we're not moving because we want to keep them entertained. We're moving because there's adventure in this generation. Whether you're young or more mature, there's adventure. If you've got some breath in you, there's adventure in you. And God's calling us to a place of promise. God's calling us to a place where the promises are fulfilled, where we begin to walk in the dynamic outflow and overflow of Holy Spirit expectation. Because when we get to the Jordan, everything changes. When we get to the Jordan, miracles happen. People get healed of leprosy. The walker splits either side. 
When you imagine what it must have been like. And so for all of Israel's time, there was a memorial at the Jordan of God's promises being fulfilled. And it would do us well to live in the place of expectation and promise, not in the place of hope deferred and sickness. And so they begin to go to the place of promise and they go to the River Jordan and they're living in the River Jordan and they're wanting to build now. I want to say to you, God has called you to build. All right, if you come to this church to be a bum on a seat, go somewhere else. We want to build something of the glory of God. We want to build a memorial to the kingdom of God in the city of Glasgow and beyond. We want to see... A, a people that are so filled with God that nothing is impossible for them. We want to see a people so filled with God that wherever we go, we act as a walking dispenser of revival. God's calling you to build. Listen, I know God's called many people to the nations. But I want to suggest to you, God's called some of you to stay in Glasgow and build. Then after university, you don't make the comfortable decision of where you get the job and let that dictate where you live, but you let the kingdom of God dictate where you live so the job follows that which you seek. Seek first the kingdom. And all these things are added to you. It means that some of you are going to begin to orientate your lives, not simply around meetings in the church, but church that expels or, or, or thrusts forth a people that change the community. He's called us to build in this season. He's called us to get our hands dirty. He's called us to get right in the foundation of this church. Because you're it. You're God's plan. Some of you are like, going, help us, Jesus. <laughs> Take me home now. I wish I could believe in the rapture. <laughs> You're God's plan. Yeah. <laughs> Problem is, for many of us, in a move of God and in a season of increase, in a season of transition, it's easy to build... And in the midst of building, lose our cutting edge. Yeah. And one of the sons of the prophets are building, and they're, they're chopping down a tree, and in that process, they lose their accent, they lose their sharpness, they lose their cutting edge. I want to suggest to you, brothers and sisters, in this season, what is going to be vitally important is your personal connectivity to Jesus, so that what spills out in your corporate encounter of worship it's from what comes from the secret place, not the other way around. You see, we cannot be depending upon a hand on our head to get our cutting edge. We've got to be depending upon a radical intimacy that comes from the secret place. And this man, he's, he's borrowed an axe from a friend, and he's chopping down. Now listen, you need to understand that in this season, iron was very scarce. 
In this season, in the history of Israel, one verse actually says there were no swords, there were no plowshares in the whole of Israel. They couldn't find, they were scarce to find iron in these days. And so he borrows this axe, and according to the law, if you borrow and you lose it, you've got to pay for it. Otherwise, you could suffer the penalty of the law. So when he's going, alas, my master, for it was borrowed, he's going, oh my scone, I can't afford to pay this thing. The problem is for many Christians, we live on borrowed experience and borrowed encounter. So when we face difficulty, we've got nothing in the deposit of our bank to exercise faith and experience victory over the thing we're facing. That's an always, but it's true. That very often we're so used to coming in under another man or another man's another woman's anointing and borrowing something from someone else's experience in God that when we have to face the real deal for ourselves, we are bankrupt of any ability to pay. And in the season of transition, it's not going to be good enough to borrow tools from someone else. You're going to need to find your own way of building. You're going to need to find your own way of extending the kingdom. (laughs) He loses his axe head. He loses his cutting edge. And the problem is for many Christians... Let me just say this very quickly. Please forgive me. Very often, you know, when you look in on someone else's intimacy with another person, it's called voyeurism. And many Christians live voyeuristic lives as they look in on other people's intimacy and say, oh, I want that impartation, I want that anointing, I want that intimacy, without realizing you've got to go somewhere for that yourself. (laughs) You see, we want the kiss of covenant without the cost of covenant. Judas wants the intimacy of the kiss on the cheek in the garden, yet when it comes time to cut covenant, he's the first person out of the room. For many Christians, we want the results and the benefit of covenantal intimacy without realizing that there is an invitation to come and behold him and encounter him and that it takes two to tango. Your intimacy cannot be based vicariously through someone else. Your intimacy with him needs to come out of a day-to-day encounter with him because this church cannot be built on borrowed experience. The cutting edge of this church cannot be dependent on what comes out of Bethel. It cannot be dependent on what the latest fad is in the Christian world. It's got to be dependent out of revelation that comes out of intimacy because you've seen him in the secret place. God's looking for some people who begin to gather again their cutting edge and say, you know, I'm not going to let this thing go. I'm not going to let it go. It doesn't matter how much I'm going to build. I'm getting intimate with him. And that's where it all flows from. You see, the reality of intimacy is not in how many times you fall down on the floor. 
The reality of intimacy is the maturity that gets produced in your life. You know, I can honestly say this is going to be really cheesy, but I'm going to go with it because my wife is in the front row and some might as well. After six months of, getting, of being married to Katya, I love her more than I did six months ago. Yeah. Because I know her better. God's calling us to be a people who have a cutting edge that comes out of intimacy, not depending on someone else's ability. Because here's the reality. If you don't have it, you can't give it. If, if the reality of intimacy, the reality of the work of the Spirit, the reality of encounter is not in you because of your encountering of Him, you can't give it to someone else. Because you'll always give someone what you've got. You can tell them that you've got measles, but if you've got mumps, you're giving them mumps. <laughs> That's the reality. It doesn't matter what you think you've got. If you don't have an intimacy with him, you will not overspill an intimacy that will intrigue others to be intimate with him. Brothers and sisters, we've got to be a people who live on the sharp side of the cutting edge. We cannot let go of our cutting edge. Because in this season, God is wanting to increase. In this season, God is wanting to do some amazing things. How do we maintain our cutting edge? Well, the first thing I love about Elisha is this miracle that Elisha does is not the first time this has happened in the Bible. <laughs> this miracle that Elisha does is a miracle that happened to Moses. You see, Moses too had a problem with some water. He too had a problem with trying to figure out what do I do when the water is bitter. And what does he do? He takes a log and he throws a log onto the river, and the river becomes sweet. A miracle happens through the context of the log. Now, without going into too much detail, but wherever you see a picture of a tree, particularly in the Old Testament, it's a foreshadowing of the finished work of the cross in the New Testament. Moses' scarf is a stick. Aaron's budding rod is a stick. You'll see throughout Scripture that there are different examples of this. And commentators, even commentating about this verse, speaks of the redemptive nature of this log as a picture of the redemptive nature of the cross. Brothers and sisters, here's the reality. Moses built, uh, Elijah remembered a spiritual encounter that happened years ago and used that as a platform for the spiritual encounter he was about to have. I want to suggest to you that if God's done it before, it sets the precedent of him doing it again. You get to walk in the reality and on the shoulders of what's happened in the past right now. It's why it's important for you to read Scripture and get to grips with the miraculous in the Scripture because they act as a provocation and as a reminder that if he could do it then, he can do it now because the last time I checked, it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Brothers and sisters, the reality of your spiritual sharpness is found in believing and stepping out in faith that if God said he can do it, and if God set the president, he is no respecter of persons, he'll do it with you too. 
The second thing you need to know about keeping your spiritual sharpness and keeping your cutting edge is the reality of making memorials to God. You see, the River Jordan was a memorial spot for the people of Israel. It was a spot where they would have remembered. In fact, every generation that would have walked past the Jordan would have been told the story of how God delivered them from the people of Israel, how God crossed them over right in through the Red Sea and then past the River Jordan into their promised land. I want to suggest to you that we need some more memorials of what God has done. I want to suggest to you that we need some more records of God's breaking in. We need to be remembering that someone who was once a a sprinter got healed of knee conditions. We've got to be remembering that even just last week, someone testified to being healed of a rare blood disorder. We've got to be remembering that the deaf ears have opened. We've got to be remembering these things because they act as a memorial because the last spiritual encounter you had acts as a platform for the next one to come. You see, your spiritual encounter happens in the realm of eternity. It means it's timeless. It means you get to go back to the place where God touched you first in order to go forward into the place that God has for you. You see, I remember what God has done with me, not in a nostalgic way, but in a life-giving way, because where I've been often acts as the platform for where I will go in God. And so Elijah says, where, where, was, where did it fall? Where did the accent fall? Where was the last time you encountered the sharpness of God? Where was the last time you encountered the presence of God? Let's go right back there and let's start there. For some of you, to be honest, the last time you encountered God was the day of your salvation. God wants to break some stuff off of you so that you come into ever-increasing breakthroughs. You're getting your cutting edge back. You're getting your cutting edge back. You see, revelation begets Revelation. If you're not getting anything from Scripture, go right back to the last place you got some revelation and read that again so it acts as the platform for the next revelation. You've got to keep and maintain your spiritual cutting edge because we're building something. Not only that, at some point, in order to get your cutting edge back, you're going to have to get into the river. At some point, you're going to have to Get out of your comfort zone and say, I know the water is going to be a little bit uncomfortable, but if I'm going to get that iron head that's floating, I'm going to have to get in and pick it up. For many of us, we think the river is simply about laughing or having fun in God, and it is. It really is. But there's something deeper about enjoying the river of God that causes you to be filled with life and the energy of heaven So that which is lost is restored in the place of his river. They're coming for a landing right now. I believe this is the season for increase. I believe this is the season that God's about to stretch this church. Oh, maybe I should. I'll go there because it's my last Sunday. 
He's going to stretch your ability to give financially. Because your 10% is not enough. Listen, if you give your 10% without thinking, that's not faith. <laughs> you see, under the new covenant, God calls us to a higher law, the law of generosity. <laughs> it's a grace gift that says, God, what do you want me to give? Not what is expected of me to give. Can I get a charismatic amen quickly? I know you might be thinking I'm a good prosperity preacher. Don't worry, we're not going for a third offering. But I need to tell you that in the season of increase, your time is going to be infringed upon. Your money is going to be expected. Your love is going to have to be kept on in a way that's never been kept on before. The expression of who you are is going to have to flow regularly in this next season. Because we're getting bigger, not smaller. We're going wider and larger and farther than we've ever been before. And he's looking for a people with a cutting edge. Have you got your access? One that's not borrowed, but one that's been given to you by God. When you live from the place of the finished work of the cross, you realize that there never needs to be a day where you don't have your cutting edge. That you can live in the expectation, as Smith Wigglesworth says, of being on the sharp side of the cutting edge. That's where I want to live. It means that faith looks like the plausible response to any difficulty we face. Brothers and sisters, we're in a season of increase. We're in a season of breakthrough. We're in a season of cutting edge. And God wants to restore your cutting edge today.